Wounds are healed, the armies are rallied, and Jasulka has brought Octavia right to Silvox's doorstep. Will Moir prevail? Will Silvox fall? And I wonder how Antony's doing out there. Welcome to me, my spouse, and a die. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Me, My Spouse, and a Die. I'm Gwyneth, your resident Asimar, Octavia Marguerite Sinclair. And I'm Austin, your resident dungeon master. Me, My Spouse, and a Die is a family-friendly actual play Dungeons & Dragons podcast, where we follow our hero, Octavia Marguerite Sinclair, through her adventures in the continent of Moir, a land that has been ravaged by a war with monsters for 15 years. I must ask, can we truly call Octavia a hero after what she, she did, did to, to Angie? Angie. <laughs> I knew as soon as you said that. Ugh. Well, I mean, I guess which is which is worse, just outright, you know, eliminating an enemy or charming it and then yeah, the, the yeah, the, the the second one's worse. Yeah. Charming yeah. it, making it fight for you and then sending it to its death. Yeah, that's that's the worst option. Well, yeah. I mean, again, Angie did some good in the world. He did. And, I mean, he wasn't, like, being treated super nicely by the Dragonbloods either. This is, this is true. So. This is true. I was not a more cruel master. No, no. for sure. Uh, yeah. There, was is... just, there, were, there were not a ton of good options as soon as you... You charmed it and decided to have it follow you around. Mm-hmm. I was like, well, mm-hmm. there's only so many ways this can end. Can end. And I knew. I mean, I was either going to kill it then or try to take advantage of the fact that it could petrify things. So yeah. I was like, I'm going to try to take advantage of the fact that it has petrification breath. Yeah. Yeah. You know? So oh. mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. rip Angie. Rip Angie. Oh, I it's especially difficult because Gwyneth, as a human being, I love cows. I don't know if I've talked about my love of the bovine sure variety, but Almost they certainly. are like big dogs. They will literally just follow you around and get really excited when they see their humans. And they're super duper sweet. And that you can just like hang out with them and give them little scritches and their eyes are just lipid pools of gentleness. Except for Angus cows. Angus cows are notoriously angry. And hence why Angie was named Angie because A, Angie was constantly Angie as an angry and he also just made me think of an Angus cow which is similarly always angry. Thus, the Angie that we all met and loved. Angie the Angry Cow. Angie the, ang- Angie the Angry Angus Cow. We hardly knew ye. We hardly knew ye. <laughs> so, oh, Angie. I know. Uh, cows are great. Yeah. One time we were driving to Washington, D.C. from Pittsburgh, and we were going the back way through some winding roads, and we saw a little cow family just galloping along. Yeah, they're like, what, four? Yeah. Four or so cows, maybe more. Or it was like, two, yeah, like two, three, four, like grown cows and then a baby or so. And they were just seemingly having the best yeah. time of their lives. Just, just like galloping across the hillside. Galloping across the hillside. And we obviously still think of it from time to time. Yeah. This it was, was years ago. It was pretty cute. It was adorable. Just flump, flump, flumping. Baby cows are super cute. Baby cows are very cute. Cows' noses are super soft. Mm-hmm. Super soft. 
And if you pet them, their noses or their heads while you're wearing mittens, sometimes they like to try to lick your hand. And because their tongues are kind of kind of like cats' tongues where they're kind of raspy so that they, you know, can like lick up grain and stuff like that. Sometimes they'll catch on your mittens and accidentally eat them. We have lost many a mitten in the day <laughs> because of said <laughs> said things. I did not have any experience with cat. Well, not a ton of experience with cows. I grew up in rural Ohio, so I, of course, knew of cows and experienced cows. But I did not grow up on a farm with yeah. cows. Did so. you ever tip a cow? I never tipped a cow. No. I have not either. Most of the farms near us were not like dairy farms or livestock yeah. farms. They were mostly... Crop. Yeah. Yeah, mostly have, corn, soybeans. Nice flat land out there. Yeah, stuff Good like that. So stuff. there weren't a ton of cows very near us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I never tipped a cow. Even if I had been in the like opportunity, I don't know if I would have tipped a cow. Oh, no. I would never tip a cow. Yeah. Why would you do that? I don't know. Because you're mean. Well, because you're you, bored and you because... don't realize, you know, that... It's not a nice thing to do to cows. I don't... I mean, I think if you're tipping a cow, you realize it's not a nice thing to do. Otherwise, it wouldn't be this clandestine... Like, Well, dang. it's clandestine so the farmer doesn't shoot you. Right. Why do you think the farmer would shoot you? Because it's not good for their cows to be tipped. Well, also because you're, you know, trespassing. That's and who knows true. what you're doing. That's also true. But, I mean, you know, I think a lot of people just don't realize that it, that, you know, it hurts the cow. I don't know. I don't know, actually, if I've ever met anyone who's tipped a cow. I don't think I've ever met anyone. I think that was a long time ago. Yeah. I think it's more like an urban legend at this point. I mean, it's. I'm sure people have definitely done it. Oh, yeah, but I don't think think it's it's as common as... Yeah. Potentially. I could be very wrong. Yeah, you never know. Cow tipping. Yeah. If you've tipped a cow... I always tip my cows at least 20%. (laughs) It is industry standard. Industry standard. Uh, One of my favorite things about cows is that they don't like walking over grates. And so you can have this. You don't like walking over grates. Oh, I hate walking over grates as well. (laughs) And I have like a fully formed like soul and brain and a foot. I mean, I think cows are more sure footed than I. But they have hooves. Yeah, that's true. Maybe they like hooves on the metal. But if you didn't know, cows don't like grates. And so you can have this fenced in pasture. You know, and the cows won't, I mean, usually try to get over the fence. But then you can have your path, your road, so you can drive your truck into the pasture and just have a grate across it on the ground, and they won't go past it. Huh. So that you don't need an actual gate, because the grate... Is enough. Is enough. Huh. Sometimes, I mean, of course, there are always extenuating circumstances, but... Yeah. There's always that one rebellious there cow. There is always that one cow. It's like, screw your grates. I'm going to eat grass over here. <laughs> it is greener. Ah. <laughs> One of my, back when my one sister was very small, and she was usually a very well-behaved child. And one day on April Fool's Day, I think she was like four. They were all at the, at the this was before I was born. They were all at the dining room table or, or breakfast table. And she looks out the window and she's like, Dad. The cows got loose. And that is a thing that would happen. The cows would sometimes get loose and you'd have to go round up your cows. And he was like, oh, no. And he like got all up and was flustered and like had to was like, oh, I got to go round up the cows. And the cows had not gotten loose. And she just got him in a really good April Fool's. So I think of that also sometimes because she's she was a very soft spoken kiddo. 
It's the quiet ones. You got to watch. I know. I know. The middle child trying to get attention. Trying to get attention desperately. (laughs) (sighs) Well, those are my stories about cows. You know, there we've we've only met one cow. In this story and it's dead now. Rip Anki. Wow. Thanks. Yep. Rip Mm -hmm. Anki. (laughs) Just had to bring it back to a sad moment. To the sad sad oh, truth i just want to make sure that that moment has you know the punch that it should because yeah. i'm sure octavia doesn't feel great about having to do that no she didn't Mm-mm. so just uh just remember that but you don't have time to remember that right now because you're about to try to face down and defeat silvox the cruel Noel overlord of lake ansel in combat We come back to the scene and the great plaza in Lake Ansel. Dragon blood forces barricaded at the base of the Temple of Al-Absalon, sticking up high in the center of the city, a beacon for all to see. A great roar washed over this plaza, and moments later, Moerian troops from numerous streets thoroughfares, alleys, avenues, roads, uh, paths, paths, highways, highways, low ways, midways, bike paths, trails, all rushed into the plaza, screaming in unison a battle cry to take back their homes and their lands. At the same time, Jasulka the White Dragon in semi-humanoid form grabbed you and Karhoon and teleported you to the top of the Temple of Absalon, which is where you find yourself appearing in the blink of an eye. From the street level, surrounded by this roar, you are taken up hundreds of feet to the roof of this temple. Far below, you can see the bell tower that you had your uh, uh, harrowing fight in when this war first broke out. But here, you are at the very top of the very temple. You can see the entire city from this vantage point as you feel Jasulka's hand come off of your shoulder. You see Carhoon standing next to you. It is a circular temple. You find yourself on a large circular um, rooftop, a small, about like two foot stone fence <laughs> railing, kind of lines the thing. So it's easy to fall off, but not easy to fall off. Mm-hmm. You see, there is a kind of short stubby passageway with a door that leads down into the temple that allows access to this roof and in the center there is a spire a decorative spire that goes Mm. up another you know 25-30 feet or so you find yourself on one end of this tower opposite you you can see several shapes okay looking over this spire you can see the uh, black and white furred body of the lumbering knoll. Mm. Silvax the cruel, his mace flail, sorry, his flail hanging to his side, three chains with a skull attached to each, metal spikes embedded in them with eyes glowing green. Flanking him on either side are two 
uh, what appear to be orc-like bodyguards. Oh. They look similar to the bodyguards that Crag had in Montignon when you first met him. Oh. They've got kind of ninja-esque head wraps on, curved scimitars hanging on their sides. And standing a little bit off is a large, green, scaly wyvern. All of them seem to be standing on the edge near the edge of the temple opposite you, looking down at the progress of the battle that is beginning to unfold and presumably somehow directing the movements from up here. The three of you, take a moment to gather yourselves. It doesn't appear that the three of them have noticed your arrival. However, if you wished to take them by surprise, Jasulka steps forward and removes all possibility as he <laughs> shouts across the way. Does he, sh- does he shout like at the wyvern? He does. Of course he does. He steps forward and shouts out, You there, two-legged abomination of dragon kind, face me. And all three of them turn. Oh, All four of them, excuse me, turn slowly. Silvox, his head swings back and slightly glowing red eyes peer at you. The bodyguards draw their swords and turn as well. The wyvern's big long neck spins around and meets Jasulka's gaze. Jasulka continues. He says, You, you claim to be of the dragon kind and yet here you are subservient to these lesser creatures you're an embarrassment to all uh, scaly winged creatures and you do not deserve to walk this earth now I have been implored by my companions to offer you the chance to live should you bow down and recognize the authority of one of your betters? I will give you this one chance, and this one chance only. Kneel! The uh, wyvern turns its whole body around. Kind of walking on its stubby little front wings. And turns to look. No one else has said a word this whole time. They're just kind of waiting to see how this hands out. The wyvern snakes its long neck out, narrows its eyes, and lets out a defiant roar. Jasulka smiles, turns back at you, and says, see, I, I told you there was, there was no hope for this one. It's better to let me deal with it. He turns back, begins to float off of the floor as he casts a spell. And then says, your time upon this earth is over, imposter. I'm going to put an end to you. The wyvern rears back on its back legs, flaps its powerful wings twice, lifts off the ground, and the two of them dive at each other. Of course. (laughs) Of course. There is a a flurry of activity. There's flapping of wings, scratching of feet, a few... Spells get fired off, and the battle starts to rise higher and higher into the air. So cool. Silvox now takes a step forward, looks at you, and says, So, you're back for round two. 
I don't remember what he sounded like before, but this is what I'm going with. It sounds pretty cool. That sounds like what I imagine a gnoll would sound like. I was put in charge of this town after your little hijinks here before. And I... I am different from others of my kind. We all experience an overwhelming bloodlust, but I am able to ignore it, to tamp it down, to focus on things that may be more important. I have directed this city. I have brought order. But now, I see I get the chance to let it all go and indulge once more. And he pulls up his flail and starts swinging it menacingly. Do you say anything in response? You say that you will and have been more successful at keeping this city under control, but there you are very much mistaken because you will fail as everyone has before you. Because this city is ours. I'd like to see you come and take it. Please roll for initiative. Okay! All right. Four Octavia. And 11. And four Carhoon. 15. Okay. It is Silvox's turn first. Okay. Silvox, the cruel gnoll, is going to... It's not in range of you. Mm-hmm. Can't really get there. So he's just going to move up and kind of brace against uh, the uh, the spire in the center of the tower, taking oh, cool. a little bit of cover and getting ready to uh, close the distance on you and attack next time. The two orc bodyguards go next they are going to flank out one goes right one goes left two, 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 two. and they are going to move 30 feet and then and then they are going to use a bonus action to dash mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and get right Ooh. up in our grills yeah one rushes up to you one rushes up to Carhoon that was their movement and their bonus action so they can take an attack and because they rolled good initiative, they have advantage against any going... creature who has not attacked yet. So uh, they're wow. going to swing two scimitar attacks okay. at each of you. Swing once against you. Natural 19. That will hit. I'm just going to roll the second attack to see. Sounds good. Mm, 18. Miss on Carhoon. Right. No, that was against you. They each get two attacks. Oh, 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 oh. That's also hit. Sorry. Okay. The first hit... Uh, 14 slashing. The second hit, 16 slashing. Okay. And then against Carhoon, swing number one. That's probably going to miss. 16. Miss. Swing number two. That's also going to miss. All right. Bad rolls on that one. Yeah, yeah. It is Carhoon's turn, and then it will be yours. Okay. Um, she looks at him, and she's like, wait before you swing. And he is going to ready in action to swing 
when Octavia gives him a signal. Okay, he only gets one. That's fine. Okay. I think. Okay. All right. It is your turn then. I am going to put my shoul- my hand on his shoulder and be like... Was this a range of touch? Um, no, it's a range of 60 feet. Okay. So I metaf- metaphysically put my <laughs> hand where his shoulder would be if he were adjacent to me. So no, I am not moving. I'm not incurring. And you see Carhoon, if he is willing, which I hope that he is. No. <laughs> Screw you. <laughs> All of a sudden become huge. You see his head get a bit more angular and, and kind of like a snout, like sometimes he has when he's turning into his werebear form. But his, his arms get shorter and his legs get longer as he becomes a Tyrannosaurus Rex. Is this actually huge? Yes. Okay. <laughs> Kaboom. Carhoon <laughs> becomes a T-Rex. Yes, he does. All right. All right. Towering over everyone. Towering over everyone. He is going to... All right. He is going to bite at the uh, the the orc bodyguard who attacked him. Twenty-two to hit. Yeah. All right. You're gonna take four d twelve damage. Yeah, that's a lot. I'm. I need to get into my dice bag and get some more d twelves. Oh no. Or you could just roll two d twelve twice. It's more fun to say to the listeners that I have to go into my dice bag and get more d12s. See, but whenever you roll advantage, you always roll one d20 at a time instead of just rolling two d20. That's true. It, there's something different psychologically about advantage. There's something different about taking less time in a recorded medium. That's also true. That is 20, 20, 33, 40 points of damage. Are you sure you did that math? I did... Two tens, a five, and an eight, and then it has a plus seven. And you're grappled. Oh, all right. So Karun reaches down, picks this thing up in its in his mouth. <laughs> it is still alive. Can he drop it over the edge of the thing? Can he lean his head over, open his mouth, and just drop this orc bodyguard off the edge of the tower? Uh, he can use half his movement to... Well, he can... Uh, Reposition the orc at the cost of like twice his movement. It's not his turn, so no. Oh, so like in his next turn, he could do that? Yes. Okay. But he would have to spend the movement to do it. Okay, sounds good. Okay, that is your turn. That yep. is Carhoon's ready to action. <laughs> you cast <laughs> this spell. You cast the spell. Carhoon becomes big, chomps down on this orc, and out of the corner of your eye, near the door that leads up from below in the actual tower you see a flicker of movement oh no specifically you see a crossbow bolt oh shoot fly out towards you that you did not see before does a 24 hit yes it does you take four piercing damage and please make a constitution saving throw okay 10 that is a failure. As you feel a poison enter I am your veins. To poison. As you feel a poison try to enter your veins. <laughs> Wait, you're immune to all poison? Hero's feast, baby. 
Is that still in effect? 24 hours, baby. All right. Well, you lucked out this time. <laughs> and you hear a familiar voice curse. Oh, oh, it's the assassin! And you peer through the door and you see the scaly lizard folk ah! face of Hazan the assassin. <laughs> I told you I would be back. And this time <laughs> it's going to end differently. Yep, Carhoon might just stomp on you. Oh, she actually is going to deal extra attack because you were next to... Oh, an extra. ally. She deals sneak attack damage. I was like, wow, that base damage was garbage. 17 extra points of sneak attack damage. Okay. Thwang. So you take the hit. You feel no effects from the poison, but you do take a bundle of damage. It is Silvox's turn. Silvox. Oh, oh, has gosh. just enough movement. Gets Getting right, right in my grill. Up to you. And is going to take three attacks. Oh my gosh. He's going to decide how many he wants to distribute to you. And which to Carhoon. Is Polymorph a concentration spell? Yes. Make a concentration check. Right. I have advantage on these. Okay. You need... So that was... What? Four and 17. Four and 17, so, so 21, DC 10. Natural 11. Okay. So you pass that one. All right. He, Silvox swings out with the flail once. Dong! At Carhoon first. Okay. 25 to hit. That hits. All right. Carhoon first takes... 10 points of bludgeoning damage, and please make a wisdom saving throw. I assume that's magical, right? Uh, yes. Wisdom saving throw. Wisdom saving throw. Are T-Rexes immune to, like, magical? No, I was just double checking. Let's see. With Polymorph, does it retain its mental? Yes. Okay. You you get your mental stats. So I he think. will still use his Carhoon stats, which is good. I guess T-Rexes actually have a 12 wisdom, so they're surprisingly wise. They have a, a two intelligence. This T-Rex is wiser than Carhoon. Crazy. Weirdly. Crazy. He rolled a natural 18 for okay. his wisdom saving throw. Carhoon is okay for now. Silvox then flings a flail head at you. Oh, he has advantage on wisdom saves as well anyway. Okay. Uh, that is a natural 18 to hit you. That will hit me. Foe. Easy. You take initially nine points of bludge, and then you take an additional amount of psychic damage as you get hit with the flail of pain. Bad damage. Eleven additional psychic. So twenty-one total. Concentration check. DC ten. He needs a luck point. Okay. There we go. All right, Carhoon remains a T-Rex for now, and... Actually, um, could you make a dex save for me? Why? Natural two. Um, I'm using Acryla as my reaction to Ooh, being hit. Oh, you haven't used this one yet. Mm-hmm. Please explain to the listeners what this is, because they and I may have forgotten. So... As a reaction, if I have been hit with a weapon, specifically a magical weapon, I can use my reaction to release basically a spray of acid into this creature's face, dealing 8d6 acid damage. And 
a half on a success. If the melee attack was with a magical weapon, it takes a negative three to all future attacks with that weapon. Hot dang. So, all right, let me roll 8d6. Going to use a roller for that. You take 32 points of acid damage and now have a negative three to all attacks with your flail. Good use of that. Thank, Thank you, Akrila. You hear Akrila's voice. Hail, Conqueror. <laughs> you got this. Give it to him. <laughs> you, this was really helpful. Thank you. I got your back. There's one more flail that is coming for you. Minus three. Natural one. Ah! Shoot, natural one. Because <laughs> uh, he is... Definitely important enough. Important enough to uh, to do that. So, all right. Let's see what we've got here. This is from Beast Machine. Thank you, Beast Machine. This is called Vader Chokehold. You feel a presence in the area. You can't quite figure it out, but you feel a sudden choking sensation that intensifies. It's like because he breathed in all of this acid, he can like feel the power of Akrila being there, but can't really pinpoint where he is. It subsides after a few moments, but you become prone on your next turn. (laughs) Which is not... Great. Oh my god. Alright, so next turn, remind me, I'm writing it down. Silvox is Silvox is going to fall prone. He's not prone now. He will be prone next turn. Okay. Alright. That is Silvox's turn. It is the Orc bodyguard's turn. One of them who is next to you is going to swing out at you. Okay. Natural 20. Oh my gosh! Well, hey, I would rather this bodyguard crit in a good way than so Vox. This is a decent bit of damage. Oh no. That is 23 points of slashing damage. Okay. It gets another attack, which it is going to take. Concentration check. Yes. DC 11. I dealt 23. Yeah, so DC 11. Natty 11. All right. Second attack, natural 7 for a 12. Miss. Miss. That is its turn. It's then going to bonus action, disengage, and it is going to move back to the spire just so that it is has some options next turn. The other one who is grappled by Carhoon, what's, what's the scoop there? You are grappled. You is have that it? Escape DC. Yeah, you're just no restrained. Just mm-hmm. grappled. Just grappled. All right. It is. Just... Oh no! Sorry. You are the target is restrained. Yeah. Oh, okay. Then it is going to try to escape. What is the DC? Seventeen. Uh, is that an athletics or acrobatics? Does it specify? It does not. All right. Then it will be using its dexterity. Twenty-one. Okay. Slithers out. That's its action. Correct. Yes. That's its action. Bonus action. Disengage. Moves back. Carhoon's turn. Is Carhoon adjacent to Silvox? Yes. Yes. All right. Carhoon is so big. Carhoon is very big. Carhoon takes up a 15 by 15 square. Yeah, Carhoon is so big, he is able to move up and still attack the um, 
the bodyguard who ran away as well as Silvox. This is not the bodyguard who ran away. This one hasn't been hit. The one that Carhoon's about to... Oh, it, it, I mean, it's, it still ran away. Okay. It doesn't yeah. really matter. Okay, just so you know. Yeah, because he, he is unable to reach... Okay. He is unable to reach the one that he previously had, so he is going to... Does not want to incur from Silvox, even though Silvox has the minus three. All right, he is going to bite Silvox. Alrighty, alrighty, alright. He has a 21 hit. Yes. Rolled three sevens and a nine, so that's... So 37 points of piercing damage, and you are grappled, and Carhoon is going to wheel around and hit the bodyguard with his tail. The bodyguard that he has grappled in his mouth. No, he doesn't have anybody grappled in his mouth except Silvox right now. Silvox is grappled in his mouth. Oh, right, right, right. And he's sorry, going sorry, to sorry, sorry, sorry. Yeah, swing yeah, around yeah. and use his strong tail. There's a 16 hit. Hit the orc bodyguard? The orc bodyguard. Yes. All right, so that is going to be 3d8 points of damage. Give it to me. All right. That is 22 points of piercing, oh, of bludgeoning damage. Okie dokie. Could, instead of trying to do damage, could he have, like, tried to knock him off the wall? They're not close enough. Okay. No. Now that, hmm. So Carhoon moved very little. Can he try to drop Silvox off of the side? How far did he move? Um, well, like, he moved 10 feet. Yeah, his movement's 50. His movement's 50, so he has... He moved 20 feet. Um, He could try... Will I be able to attack Silvox in Carhoon's mouth? What is... You? Yeah. Yes. Okay, okay. Sounds good, then. So you're not trying to throw him off? Well, how high up are we? Very high up. Several hundred feet up. It's a very tall tower. And the wyvern is currently occupied with... Mm-hmm. Yeah, he'll try to knock him off. He will try. All right. He will try. So the amount of movement he would have to do... So he's got effectively 20 left. Uh-huh. He actually can't get him there this... Turn. He could get him right up to the edge and try to chuck him off. Open next his turn. mouth next turn. Okay, he will okay. try that. So he can basically just move him right over to edge. Okay. So Silvox is <laughs> hanging there, and Silvox will get a check to try to grab onto the ledge. That makes sense. Very fair. Okay, so that is Carhoon's turn. Yes. It is your turn. All right. I am going to, as my action, cast Fire Shield on myself. It's okay. not a concentration spell, so I can cast that at the same time as Polymorph. And so you see these kind of like wispy flames start surrounding my body. But if you look at them, they're, they're cool to the touch. And so I am wreathed with flame. Cold flame. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Is that it? That is it. That's your turn. All right. turn. Hazan the assassin steps out of the stairwell, slams another bolt in her crossbow. I and guess I should have fires maybe hit a bit at you. Ugh, garbage that misses. Already? Shoot. And then she's just gonna 
move far away so that hopefully the dinosaur can't get up to her. <laughs> okay, it is Silvox's turn. Now, Silvox would fall prone at this point based on the crit. However, Silvox is grappled right now. So yes. Prone within his mouth. It doesn't effectively change anything. Okay. Well, I guess, like, if he gets free, you know, and falls out, you know, if he does a, a doesn't escape and gets out of Carhoon's mouth, he would fall prone onto the ground type I, of thing. I guess. So what's Silvox's plan, Stan? Well, Silvox can attack. True. Silvox has a pretty good... He is restrained. He's, that's true. He's restrained. Hmm. All right. Silvox is going to attempt to escape then. As much as I would love to. You know what? I don't know how high Tyrannosaur AC is. But I almost just want to take the attacks and see what I can do. Yeah. Screw it. He's not going to waste a turn trying to escape. He's just going to take three attacks at disadvantage against the T-Rex. All right. He is a fighter. Flail of Madness. Plus six. That was with the minus three. All right. That one is a miss. Flail of Pain. Come on, buddy. Come on. Give me something good. That is a natural 18 and a natural 15. That is a 21 to hit. That would hit. All right. That is going to deal. Initially... Nine points of bludgeoning, and then 16 psychic. Okay. Last one, the one I really want to hit. Does not hit. Okay. Unless a 10 hits. 10 does not hit. All right. So still not bad damage. Not bad. Not, not bad. bad damage for, for being grappled and restrained. Silvox. And then... He shouts, kill the dinosaur, as it is the orc bodyguard's turns next. Okay. One of them uses its action. The one who got really chomped bad that first round lifts its hand, and you find yourself plunged into a area of darkness. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, it is going to be cast so that... Let me figure out what the exact uh, radius of the spell is. Is it effectively casts darkness? Okay. Effectively casts... Darkness! 15 foot radius. So, okay. this radius is basically going to cut through you. <laughs> cut through Carhoon. Encapsulate his buddy. Encapsulate his buddy. And leave Silvox out of it. That's what the first one does. The second one charges into the darkness, seemingly not missing a step, almost Ooh. as if it can see the darkness. And it's takes... magical darkness, though, mm -hmm. right? It is. Crazy Ooh. how that works out. And is going to take two attacks against Carhoon with advantage, because unless Tyrannosauruses can see in magical darkness. Spoiler, they can't. I don't think they can. Unless it's a, it took a warlock dip. <laughs> You know that that T-Rex warlock. Garbage. Dice. Does a 12 hit a T-Rex? No. Man. He even has advantage. Come on. There we go. Netty 19. That will hit. Good damage. 554 five, on 3d6. That is 
17 slashing as Carhoon feels a scimitar bite into his big scaly leg. I feel like it'd be like at his ankle. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, that is the orc's turns. It is Carhoon's turn. He knows that he is right here on the edge. Yes. So he, he can use 10 feet of movement to put Silvox like over over the edge and then drop him. He is going to do that. All right. He attempts to drop Silvox the Cruel off the edge of this building. Opens up his mouth. Feels the knoll start to fall. The knoll is going to make a dexterity saving throw mm-hmm. to try to Very grab fair. onto the ledge. What dice has been doing the best for me? We'll go with my sun sunspot die. Dex save doesn't have a great bonus to Dex. It was a natural twenty, and they <gasps> rolled over to an eight. Okay. What did you set the DC as? More than eight, I can tell you that. Bonus is zero. Uh, oh, oh! I didn't. Re- you said it was bad. I didn't realize it was nothing. Yeah, yeah, it's bad. So Silvox claws desperately at the side of this before beginning to plummet. Silvox falls and is gonna take the max fall damage because you're gonna be up high enough, which is twenty d six. There's a chance Silvox can just tank this damage and survive. Mm-hmm. Maybe. Probably not, honestly. But I could roll really low. I'm going to make sure that it's 20 D6. Mm-hmm. Makes sense. No, I mean, this is... I would be double-checking everything if this was Octavia being flung off. All right, where is something official? You take... Ba-ba-ba-ba. 1d6 per 10 feet up to 20d6. PHB, page 183. Alright, 20d6 is gonna average at about 70 damage. 70 damage would kill. Would kill him. (laughs) So I need to roll a little bit below average for Silvox to survive. I'll, I'll lay it out there. Silvox has 58 hit points. I need to roll less than 58 for Silvox to survive. 20d, 6. I got exactly average. (gasps) I got 70 hit points. Oh, no! Oh, yes! Oh, my gosh! So, with the wyvern preoccupied upstairs, Tyrannosaurus Carhoon opens his mouth, and like Emperor Palpatine falling down the duct, although... Spoiler alert, apparently that doesn't matter in the sequel series. Uh, Silvox falls, 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 takes 70 points of damage, and just splats against the cobblestone in the middle of his defending forces far below. I'm sure that'd be great for morale. Pretty bad for morale, actually, believe it or not, but we'll deal with that once this battle is over because there are still combatants... On the field. Gosh! So, I did not think that would work. I did not think that would work. Well, by the rules of the game, it does. 
And I, as much as I would love for Silvox to stick around and get at least another round of his boss flail off, I was not going to shy away from killing you last episode, and I will try not to shy away from killing my NPCs. So, oh Silvox is oh dead. Oh my gosh. <laughs> oh my gosh. Silvox is dead. Oh my gosh. I even buffed him a little bit from the last time you, you Oh my him. gosh. <sighs> All right. Well, is Carhoon going to do anything else? Uh, yeah, he will uh, move up and he is in darkness. Oh, that's true. Magical darkness. So what does that mean? Like, can he can he move? Like, He's effectively blinded. Okay. I think he can move. Can he, like, stumble forward? He can stumble forward. Okay. He's gonna... Blinded. A creature that can't see automatically fails any ability to check that requires sights. Attack rolls against. The creature have advantage. And the creature's attacks have disadvantage. That's it. Okay. So he's going to kind of stumble forward and I think get his... Is his head out? Um, he's enough in the darkness that I'm going to say nah. Well, can you move him another square up? Does he have the movement? He has 50 feet of movement. He used 10 of it to drop. So he has 30 feet left. 50 minus 10 is 40. Oh, I wasn't sure if it took him 20 to... How far... Basically, I want him to be in between the two remaining uh, orc bodyguards. He's, he's between them. Okay. So if he's in between the two of them, he is going to take a chomp at the orc bodyguard that he previously chomped. That one? Okay. Does he have reach? He does have reach. Okay. He has 10 feet of reach. So he peeks out of the darkness. <laughs> you just see, like, there's this black cloud, and then you just see this, you know face of this T-Rex like slow motion coming out of this black cloud and then jumping down or trying to on this orc. Natural 20. Do you, I mean, this will be 8d12. It's it's dead. It's 100% dead. Why don't we maybe save a It's 100% a dead. Yeah. 8d12. Yeah. So he does 8d12 to... Plus what? Uh, plus 7. Yeah, dead. No matter what. Uh... Chomps down on this orc that had cast the darkness. Does it remain? Good question. Good question. We'll find out. Uh, Darkness. Cast darkness without any components. Darkness. I feel like it probably would if it's not concentration. Concentration. It is concentration. So, yeah, the darkness goes away. Awesome. Dang. So then he is going to use his strong behind and use his tail to just thwack the other orc guard who remains. Natural 15 does a 25 hit. It does. 26 points of bludgeoning damage. Okay. It is still up. Okay. Is that your turn? That is Carhoon's turn. That is Carhoon's turn. All right. It is your turn. All right. Uh, you see Octavia, and she has these, like, cold wreaths of fire coming around her, and, but it's cold to the touch. But then all of a sudden, the flames start getting bigger and brighter as she turns into a fire elemental. She's now a large creature. You don't think that's overkill at this point? She's going to go down and lay waste to some to some people downstairs. <sighs> And she is going to, because that is just a bonus action, she is going to just boop 
the remaining orc on the head. You're gonna try. Gonna try, exactly. Does an 18 hit? Yes. You take 10 fire damage, and you are also on fire. It is dead. <laughs> it is dead. And then she's gonna use the rest of her movement to get up in Hazan's grill. She has 50 feet of movement. So she's going to get adjacent to her. Okay. And. Oh, actually, Hazan also will take some fire damage because of my fire form. The first time I enter a creature's. Oh, enter a creature's space. Hmm. Which you are not doing. First time it enters a creature's space on a turn, that creature takes. Oh, and enter a hostile creature's space and stop there. All right. I'm just adjacent. Yes. Hazan is not on fire. Hmm. Okay. Well, this is a similar situation Hazan was in last time. <laughs> because now all of the allies that would have uh-huh. granted sneak attack are dead. Fire elemental on one side, a giant Tyrannosaurus on the other. Yeah, not a great, um, not a great situation to be in. So what she's going to do is she's learned some new tricks since mm. last time. And so as a bonus action... She does what she should have done in the first combat and disengages. Mm-hmm. She then runs. She's disengaged, so she can move right past Carhoon without incurring an mm. attack for opportunity. And you don't just, have to disengage per creature? No. Okay. You just do not take opportunity attacks. So dashes away from the fire elemental, dashes right past the Tyrannosaurus into the stairwell from whence she came. So bonus action, disengage, movement, 30 feet, dash as her uh, action just disappears into the darkness down the stairs. Poof. She's getting out of dodge. <laughs> she knows how this game goes down. But she is she is still here. Okay. Uh, how far? How fast can a fire elemental move? 50 feet. 50 feet. Okay. You... I mean, she was moving very fast. Okay. You know you, you can't catch up. Okay. Octavia doesn't really. I mean, like, it's kind of she's kind of a thorn in her side, but she's not her main priority right now. So if Hazan gets away, it's kind of like the, you know, the, the enemy that you'll kind of keep coming like, okay, you know, maybe sometimes she'll come back even stronger, but I'll be even stronger then too. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. All right, so you're out of combat. All the enemy combatants are gone. What do you do? I want to jump off of the side of the tower and into the middle of the dragon blood army. Do you can you fly? No. Are you just going to take the damage? Yes. And I'm going to Okay. Okay. I'm going to argue that I could carry Carhoon with him taking minimal damage. You're going to argue that a creature made out of fire that you are going to pick up a huge dinosaur. Yes. And carry it. Yes. For however many seconds it just takes to plummet that distance. Even nah. if he... I can... Okay, so I can... Can I argue that he takes less damage than if he were an enemy because I'm not purposefully igniting him? What is the text of your ignite thing? All right. Fire form. The elemental can move through a space as narrow as one inch without squeezing. 
A creature that touches the elemental or hits it with a melee attack while within five feet of it does take five fire damage. That's a creature. Okay. So he Karhoon would take some fire damage. Karun would definitely take fire damage. Okay. I am thinking, though, he would take less damage than if he also fell. Probably. Okay, so Karhun is a huge beast of muscle and bone. Indeed. That weighs a lot. You can have Karhun's damage if you take the other half. Because you are bra- you are effectively arguing that you are going to try to break the fall of a Tyrannosaurus Rex off a, like, 300-foot tall tower. That is true. And as a fire elemental, I'm not the strongest. I know you're doing this because you have resistance to I do have resistance to non-magical, non-magical stuff, yeah. So, okay, so we could have Carhoon's damage. I would let Carhoon's damage be halved. And I could and take that. And you would take that damage. And what's the max? 20d6? 20d6. What's the max? Average of 70. The max of that would be 120. So you'd probably be taking about 100 points of damage in that ballpark. I could roll really well. could roll really poorly. Depends. I'm going to roll each separately, though. Hmm... Is there anything Carhoon could do to kind of, like, claw his way down? Absolutely not. (laughs) Tyrannosaurus rexes are not known for their climbing ability. (laughs) Well, no, I'm not meaning, like, literally climb, but, like, use his humongous strength and claws to, like, you know, put his claws in the stone as he's falling to slow himself down type of thing because he's so strong. Kind of like a Godzilla scraping down the side of a skyscraper. His strength is 25. He, he's very strong. Most of that strength is in... I I just... I'm not seeing... I'm not seeing that. Okay. I think you both have enough hit points that if you want to do something cool and, like, just superhero jump into the middle of it, you're just going to have to take some damage. That's the price you're going to have to pay. You know, okay. if it were, like, a two-story building, maybe. Yeah, no. This, this is, is a this is several hundred-foot-tall tower. Okay, we're gonna we're gonna attempt it. Okay, are you trying to carry Carhoon? What was the average for um, the fall damage? Average damage is gonna be seventy. Okay, I will try to buffer him. Yeah. All right, so you're gonna somehow communicate this plan to Carhoon, even though neither of you could speak. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so you're basically just gonna go over and grab him. He takes fire damage. Mm-hmm. Uh, he'll probably take that fire damage twice in the amount of time it's going to take you to grab him, move to the edge, and fall all the way down. So, give him two doses of that fire damage, and you grab this dinosaur, pull him over the edge. It's like when King Denethor jumps off the tower in Minas Tirith. Yeah. Flaming yep. on fire, just plummeting. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Except... It's you a, don't plan to die at the end indeed. of this. Indeed. And it's a dinosaur. And it's a it's a huge dinosaur. Dinosaur. And a fire elemental. So cool. Ridiculous. So cool. Ridiculous. Alright, so you two plummet. And you hit the ground. Oh. Okay. Right next to the broken body yeah. of Silver. Yeah, that's you just what see I wanted. Bones sticking out. Oh. It's just, dis- it's... Very gross. Very graphic. Which we will not go into in detail. You take 67 points. Of non-magical bludgeoning. Of non-magical bludgeoning. Okay. Funk. So 30... 33. Three, okay. Millisecond afterward, a, you know, probably several ton dinosaur slams into your back. 
you take 34 and Carhoon takes 34. And so I would take 16, right? Yes. No, 17. 17. Okay. You're both prone. That's true. Lying in the middle of a sea of dragon blood forces. As you fall and begin to stand up, and they begin to take account of what just happened. I mean, Silvox just fell, what, like six seconds earlier? Yeah, or maybe like 18 seconds, because we did deal with the, the other That like, didn't take too many rounds. Yeah. So, Silvox hits the ground a few seconds later, a fire elemental and a dinosaur, flaming dinosaur, <laughs> fall. You both stand up, and as you do, the barricades start to, uh, in front of you, start to break down. And you see rushing through the familiar uniforms and flags of the Moerian forces as the battle comes to a head. Seeing their leader humiliated and uh, crushed upon the ground, it looks like this battle is largely in mop-up duty. And you think that the day is won. Oh, yes! But we'll pick up there next episode. Oh, my gosh, yes! I was so worried about how that fight would go. Well, you had you had a big gun saved, which I didn't know about. So. <laughs> oh my goodness! All right, everyone, thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed what you heard, you can rate, review, and subscribe to us on iTunes or your preferred podcasting app. Leaving a review is a really great way for us to uh, find more listeners, to have more people enjoy our game and our story. If you want to get in touch with us, we are active on social media, both Twitter and Instagram, and our handle is at and a die podcast. Catch y'all next week. <laughs>